Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. Well, listen, uh, we're going to dive in. I, I want to talk to you around this idea, the subject of worship today. And I really feel uh, we're, we have a couple uh, this week and next week, we get some standalones, and then a small group's launch, we're jumping into a brand new series. But I love these standalones because I feel like God is able to uh, speak something uh, in real time in this moment of, of something that's stirring inside of my heart. And we're really sensitive to that anyway. So even if we're in a series, we will divert. But... But this word today, I'm really excited. I've entitled the message, I Got You Covered. Look at your neighbor, say, I got you covered. Look at your second choice and say, you too. And then thank the Lord for covering you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today in a way that only you can. You know the number to our heart, God. You know how to speak to each one of us very individually and unique, God, because you know us, you created us, you've designed us. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would speak so clearly today. We want to hear from heaven. Just like that young man said, amen, amen, and amen. Well, listen, um, it feels good to be back home. Thank you, William. You are the man. You are the man. I, I, yeah, can we thank our worship team? That's good. Speaking of worship, speaking of the worship team, I love worshiping God. Not just in a corporate setting, even though there's something so powerful. I love worshiping God, even by myself. In fact, I remember I longed for so long to play an instrument because I wanted to be able to to worship God with an instrument. Just on my own, in my room, and just strum the guitar. Tried that, didn't work. Guitar's hard. It's It's tough. Piano's hard too, but I felt, like, I felt like it was more my lane. So I remember I was in youth ministry and I was trying so hard to learn the piano and I just wanted to learn chords. I don't want to be Mozart, I just want to learn how to worship. And I tried and I tried again and there was a, uh, a couple of people on our team that were trying to help me understand. I just couldn't get it. So I thought, man, Lord, maybe I'm just not designed for this. And I remember one night I, I went to bed and I had a dream. And at the time, I was a youth pastor, and in the dream, it was a youth night, and all our kids were just running around chaotic, just a youth night. You, you'd be surprised what I had to do in youth ministry. Sometimes I'd have to stop preaching, like jump over a couch and throw a kid out the window because they're fighting in the back. Crazy stuff. And then go right back to preaching. It, it trained me for adults. Adults are really, if you can preach to students, you can preach to adults. Um, but I'll, I'll never forget, I, 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 in the dream, I, I went to the piano. And I started to play, and it worked. And everything in the room got calm. It's like a peace came over the whole room. And, and I, I remember the, the next day I, I got up, and I thought, I'm going to try again. And so I went back to the piano, and for some reason, by the Spirit of God, I always say that me playing piano, God did not give me the gift of Mozart, but I can worship. And that week, as I started to play, something clicked in my mind between the pedal and the keys, and it worked. And I just think that worship is designed for chaos. Worship works really well in chaos. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, it says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. 
It says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed the men, come on, men, to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. They went up at, they went up, I'm sorry, they went out ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So the men of God would go out and sing before the army, like they're going to battle. Worship works well in chaos. But I love what they're declaring. They're declaring his praise. They're like, you are holy, you are set apart, and we know you love us. So whatever we're stepping into, we can trust you. Worship is not less than a song, but it is more than a song. They were singing and they were following. And they were stepping into all that God had called them to do. You see, the, the truth of the matter is, is that we all worship something. We all worship something. Like there's something that we're, we're giving our life to, our love, our adoration, our time, our devotion, our affection. Like we all love something. Our hearts are all moving toward something. And worship is, is our response. It's our response to what we treasure, what we value the most. Somebody said this, you want to know what somebody worships? Look at their checkbook and their calendar. Where are you giving your life away? Now, God doesn't mind that we enjoy creation and that we, you know, enjoy the things that he's created. He just minds if we enjoy it more than him. If we enjoy things more than we enjoy him. But even that statement is for our joy. Because the moment we start to love something more than him, the moment we start to worship something beyond him, we get enslaved to whatever that is. We end up in bondage and then we end up crying out to him because we need freedom. So even within God's cry for us to say, you shall have no other gods before me, it's really a heart for you and I. We see in Romans chapter 1, it says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. Amen. And as they made this exchange from the truth to the lie and began to worship created things rather than the creator, the Bible says that their minds became futile, their thinking became darkened, and it led them into a lot of perversion and immorality and twisted thinking. So God says, you shall have no other gods before me. That is not, again, just God throwing some swag, even though he deserves it. That's God saying, no, no, that's just as, that's for you too. Because I want you to live and walk in freedom. I love what John Piper says. He says it this way. He says, when we worship God, he gets what he deserves and we get what we need. Like it's a beautiful mystery. Of God gets what he deserves, glory, adoration, exaltation. And in that mystery, somehow we get what we need. And so when we look at worship, you got to go back to what, if you Bible scholars, what we would call the law of first mention. As you're studying the Bible, anytime you're, you're looking at a topic, you want to go back to the original place where it was mentioned. And so the, the, the first worshiper that we see, we find, is an angel. Now, there are three angels that we see and that we know their names of in Scripture. Uh, we see Michael, who a lot of times was equated with prayer. You remember in the book of Daniel, Daniel was on a 21-day Daniel fast. That's where we get it from. And Michael the archangel is in warfare, and he tells Daniel, he said, the moment you started praying, man, I was on assignment. But there was a battle happening in the heavenlies. 
And we see that Michael is, is connected to warfare and the reality of prayer. Can I just tell you, when you pray, things stir up. Well, we had a couple that, uh, that I've been doing marriage counseling with, and, uh, and it was so funny. We challenged them to pray five minutes a day, and so they did. They took me up on my challenge. They were like, man, things started heating up. I was like, well, yeah, like you're stepping into to some territory. And this is what I love their response. They said, man, we, we see the power and the effect of that, so we're going to double down. We're going to do it in the morning and at the night. So when we pray, things stir up. But then we see Gabriel. Gabriel was kind of connected to a message or a word from God. You remember when he appeared to Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, when she was going to conceive of the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus was born of the virgin, Mary. And so the, the, Gabriel shows up and said, hey, Mary, God's going impreg to impregnate you, and it's, it's going to be amazing. And she's like, what? So he, he brings a message from God. And then we see Lucifer was equated with worship. Now, it's interesting because all three of these angels that we know that are mentioned is really a fundamental or foundation part of our walk with God, prayer, worship, and the word. Come on, if you're struggling in your walk with God, get in some prayer, get in some worship, and get into God's word. Are you with me? And so, but, but I want to I focus on, on Lucifer for a moment. We're going to be in Isaiah and Ezekiel just for a, a little context. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 and 14 says this, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens, and I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Now, if you look at this chapter in your Bible, you're going to see the caption, the fall of the king of Babylon. Because what's happening is Isaiah is prophesying or speaking to the spirit inside the king of Babylon, which is the enemy. And we're going to see that unfold uh, on our journey together. And so he's prophesying to the spirit, to the king of Babylon. And it's almost like this, just, just like when Peter, uh, when Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. You know, and Jesus was like, you don't have to go to the cross. Or Peter was like, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do any of that. And the Lord looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't rebuking Peter. He was speaking to the spirit behind that. And so, so it goes on to say, I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Satan would refer to God as the Most High. And what we see is a picture here, is that the king of Babylon is following in the steps of Satan, thinking that he is above God, exalting himself. He's fallen into the same trap. Verse 11 says it this way, that your pomp is brought down to Sheol, meaning the place of the dead. In other words, death awaits those who try to be God. Death awaits those who try to take God's place. And the sound of your stringed instruments. So here's the first like picture of stringed instruments that we see that all the way back in the heavens before the foundations of the world were laid. Stringed instruments. Some said that maybe the enemy was that Satan had a string instrument or a, a part of himself was a stringed instrument. Some say it was just string instruments existed. But we see the reality of song all the way back then. Now we're going to skip to Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel is speaking to the spirit in the king of Tyre. And we see the same type of progression. This, the king of Tyre is falling into the same trap 
as the enemy. So it goes on to say this. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. Carnelian, crystallite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapaz, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. The workmanship of your timber. So now we see like the tambourine or the percussion. And pipes, we see now wind instruments, was prepared for you on the day that you were created. So again, the king of Tyre now is exalting himself, following into the same patterns as the enemy. Now we see this whole orchestra of strings, of percussion, and wind instruments. And then he goes on to say this. He says, you were anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of the fire you walked. I'm going to stop here just for a moment because this word anointed, it means literally to stretch out your wings abroad. And guardian here in the Hebrew means to cover. So so I want you to get this picture is that he, Satan is, is stretching out his wings. Lucifer would stretch out his wings and cover the very throne of God. Like Satan had access, continuous access, unrestricted access to the glorious presence of God. And it's really interesting because we tend to cover what we worship and what we love. We tend to cover. And that can be a good thing when we worship God and we love him and we lay our lives down for other people. That can be a great thing, but it can also be a detrimental thing. What are you covering? Back in 2013, they were having the G8 conference in Ireland. And the G8 conference is when the eight most powerful people in the world gather together for a conference. And because of the financial crisis at the time, a lot of businesses had shut down, and so they were so embarrassed. They did not want, you know, all these people from the world, world powers and leaders coming to this conference and seeing their city in such disarray. So they said, I know what we'll do. We'll cover it up. And so what you're seeing is a butcher shop that is not really a butcher shop. And they did this to all their storefronts. They just put vinyl tarps in front of their storefronts to make it look like they were alive. But in reality, they were dead. They were close. So, so in their attempts to cover, it ended up being the cover story for the GA conference. Didn't work out too well for them. We tend to worship what we cover. They were trying to cover the truth with a lie. And I got to thinking, I'm like, isn't it interesting that we have song covers. And what is a song cover? A song cover is a, it's a reinterpretation of the song. It's a different arrangement, sometimes with different lyrics. The melody is altered slightly. And I just think, what a picture of the enemy that once used to cover the throne room of God is now trying to cover the truth with a lie. How, how much music shapes our culture. How what, what was designed to cover and bring people into the presence of God is now designed to cover the truth so people cannot see, blind the minds of people so they cannot see the truth of God. What are you covering? Because we tend to cover what we love and what we worship. And so in our lives today, are, are we covering and protecting our intimacy with God? Are we protecting God's presence in our life? Because what we worship and what we love 
we will cover. But I think it's so, spe- it's so special because we, we even get this picture. Look, look what it says in Isaiah 61, verse 3. That there's a garment of praise that covers us for a spirit of heaviness. And the enemy would love, love, love to cover up that garment of praise so you can't see that because he would love to have you operate in a spirit of heaviness. There's a covering. I love what it says. It says, there's a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, planted of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So we see it again. What happens when we're planted, when we're flourishing, when, when praise is coming from our lips and the heaviness is gone, God gets glory and we get what we need. It's a beautiful picture of worship. So we continue in Ezekiel, and it says this. He says, I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you. Guardian cherub from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. Scary words. You just got caught up with yourself. You know, Matt Redman came out with that song, Coming Back to a Heart of Worship. It's an old, oldie but goodie. It's a timeless song. And it really was because the worship team at the time was getting so consumed with the production. The pastor was like, man, we're done with this. Scrap it all. We're going to come back to a heart of worship. We're going to get back to covering and protecting the presence of God in our lives, the intimacy of God in our services. It's about him. It's not about the production. And so Jesus confirms this too. Jesus told his disciples, he's like, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He said it was like lightning. It was quick. It wasn't even a battle. It was fast. And so, so what am I saying? I'm saying that we too were created to worship. Like, like if you look at our lives, you were created to worship. You have two stringed instruments right here called vocal cords. You have whew, the breath of God on the inside of you. We have a wind instrument and we have percussions. We got no tambourines in church, so I'm just saying, don't bring them. We're doing live. We're doing live. Don't do that to the people online. But we have percussion. We were created to worship. That's why Satan worked so hard to make us fall like him, like he did the king of Babylon, like he did to the king of Tyre. He wants you to fall and fall for the same trap. Matthew chapter 4 says it. This way, and the devil took him to a very high mountain, speaking of Jesus, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and and their glory. And he said, all this I will give you, he said, if you fall down. He wants you to fall down and worship me. Away from me, Satan, Jesus declared, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Luke's account of this, the enemy comes in and said, I've been given authority over all these and the glory, and I'll give them to you. It It was a distortion of truth. He's been given a measure of authority, but not all authority. He doesn't own all this stuff. And so this is what I want to lean into today because Jesus responds with the truth of God's word. But remember, Jesus said this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That word in the Greek is the word gnosto. It means a personal experience through understanding. And so Jesus just didn't have like the remedy of just the scripture on top of his head. Oh, I'm just going to throw the scripture out there. No, he understood what that scripture meant. He had an understanding of his father. He knew the truth. It was clear. It was personal. It wasn't just something he knew. It was something he knew. Are you you with me? And so the enemy does not mind if you have knowledge of truth. He just does not want you to have understanding of it. 
Paul said that there would be men in the last days that will creep into homes of weak-willed women who are layered, loaded down with sin. And because of their shame and all their struggle, always learning but never coming to understanding. We don't want to always be learning but never coming to understand the truth. Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. You know the scriptures, but they point to me, and you can't see that. You know, but you don't understand. You know, but you don't know. And so what happens when we know, but we don't understand, it puts a lid on our worship, and we start to bow down to other things left and right. And then we come into to a service like this, and we're, I mean, some of us worship, we're just not a fan of. And it's okay, like if you're there and you're just like, man, I'm just not really sure of this whole singing part. I love the word, but I just the singing part. And I used to be the same way until I started to build my relationship with God. And now worship is one of the, the, the greatest things that, that I do. But some of you guys are like, man, I got about 15 minutes of song in me, and that's about it. I mean, sometimes you try on your own, you're like, yeah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And, and if we're not careful, we're not care- it, put, put it like this, some of you come late because you just want to get one song in. It's facts. I ain't even mad at you. But I don't want you to stay there. Like, I want you to grow in that space. Uh, Look at Revelation. This probably torments you. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, was covered with eyes all around, even under their wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And some of you are like, is that what heaven's going to be like? We're just singing holy, holy, holy all day long. Not really sure if that sounds exciting. But can I just tell you, the reason why they have such a long song, because they have such a deep understanding of the one that they're singing to, that, that they, they can't exhaust it. So they're singing with great joy and excitement. You ever know when somebody reveals something God reveals something to you or you have something special you want to share that you're excited about and you tell somebody and they're like, oh, that's cool. That's great. So uh, how about them warriors? Man, got crushed last night. Wow, why would I bring it up? I'm sorry. I mean, they, 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 like, they, they blew out the Lakers and then they blew it. I mean, it's like one for one. I mean, it's all, it's all good. It's a bunch of boys with a ball playing. Who cares? No, I'm just kidding. No, but that, that's, that's, that's how it is. I mean, we... We, we have moments where God will reveal something to us or something we're so excited about, we'll bring it to somebody and, and they're like, yeah, oh, that's cool. And what do you say? No, you don't understand. You don't understand. I know this is a big deal. Like, like for example, let me, let me show you this. This little note from this girl. Thank you for bringing me back home. My whole family cried tears of joy today. Josie Ward. And when you look at this snow, you may think, oh, okay, like, like, I don't know, maybe, you know, they got stuck at Great America and her friends gave her a ride home. Like, you could come to a lot of interpretations of this, but can I tell you the true story? Is this is from a girl that came up to me last week and handed me this note in tears, 10 years old, saying, I've been away from God and I'm home. And she said, I told my family, she said, I brought my family and my family didn't want to come to church, but I said, we have to go to church today. And her family's just weeping. And they're like, yeah, we've been away from God from church for a long time. And this girl's like, thank you for bringing me home. When you have understanding, it totally changes the story. It takes everything to a whole different place. Like my, my daughter, she, 
She loves to play the ball game on the iPad. But the ball game gets, it gets old. And then after the iPad is done, like this is an iPad Pro. She doesn't care. Just give me the ball game and I'm done. But I'm like, do you understand that it's a liquid retina screen, HDR display, 12.9 inch, 2D backlighting system, pro motion technology, wide color display, true tone display, finger resistant, oleophobic coating, fully laminated, 1.8% reflectivity. Like if you start to get into, let's talk about the M2 chip, 16 core natural engine, 10 core GPU, 8 core CPU, 100 gigabytes of memory and bandwidth, and all of a sudden you're like, this is amazing. But she doesn't understand. So she only operates like this at a surface level because there's a lack of understanding the attributes and the reality of this iPad. And so can I just tell you, when we don't understand him, when we don't understand who God is, we are subject to greater temptation to exalt ourselves, to exalt sin and creation over him. Because we just don't understand. Or if we lose sight of it, which the enemy works really hard to get you to lose sight of it, just like he did Eve, did God really say? I mean, if he was really good, he wouldn't be holding out on you. What ends up happening is if he can do that, it puts a lid on our worship and it makes it so easy to bow. It makes it so easy for us to get distracted and you don't have a very long song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We almost done. We need lunch today. Jesus said that the Pharisees had vain repetitions. He said, they worship me, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far. They don't understand. They don't get it. So I love, I was talking to Pastor David Sell, and you know when you're talking about a topic and, and you have a moment, like a light bulb moment, he pointed me to this passage of scripture and I felt like it was a master key. Felt like it was a master key. And this is the text, Psalm 47, verse 7. It says, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. I think so many times we sing praises of a lot that we don't understand. So, so like for example, Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, Girl, if you drink from me, never gonna thirst again. She's like, Okay, that sounds good. And then he told her, he's like, Yeah, but you know, he kind of calls her out on her sin, and she's like, oh, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she wants to get religious. She wants to talk about church. She's like, well, uh, you guys worship here, we worship there, and she's kind of changed the subject. And the Lord, has said, the Lord said, listen, there is a time coming, the time is now where people, true worshipers, will worship in spirit and in truth. I think we have a lot of people in church today that aren't saved. And so it's so hard for you to understand because you don't know Jesus. The Bible says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He said, the true worshipers worship in spirit. you got to have the spirit of God. If the spirit of God is not living and residing in you, it's like, oh, it's going to be like the most boringest thing on the planet. It's like a car with no gas or a motorcycle with no gas. It's like, oh, my goodness. I can't go anywhere. It's, just, it's great. It's beautiful. I, 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 don't, I can't move. And I'm not here to, to question your salvation, but what I am saying is this, is, is there are a lot of people today, Jesus said in Matthew 7, many on the day will say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not do all these things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew. And so I don't say that to scare you, but I say that to say, hey, listen, I want to make sure you're born again, born of the Spirit. Jesus said people will worship in spirit. 
We need the Spirit. And then he said, in truth. And so some of us, we're saved. We got the Spirit of God, but we lack truth and understanding. And, and we're struggling there. And so we're like, okay, I got the Spirit. I want to worship, but I really don't know anything about you. I got the ball game, and that's about it. And the Lord's like, man, I'm inviting you to a deeper place. So if we go back to the law of first mention, where worship was first mentioned in the scriptures, we find it all the way back in Genesis chapter 22 with a man by the name of Abraham. Now, one of the things I want to point out is Abraham had been given a promise from God that he would be a father of many nations, that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky, yet his wife was very old, right, in their 90s. And they both, Pastor Chris preached on this a few weeks back, Sarah kind of laughed at the idea of getting pregnant, and they, it's a long story, you should go read it. But long story short, God is the God of his promise. So she gets pregnant, he has a son, Isaac, and God says, that's awesome. I want you to put Isaac on the altar. I want you to sacrifice. What? Like God wasn't trying to kill his kid, God was trying to see where his heart was. Abraham, am I still first? Like you got the promise, but it's still about me. And so it goes on to say, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, stay here. The first time worship is mentioned in the Bible. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Can I just tell you what, what you see happening right here is Abraham is worshiping with understanding. Because he knew that God is the God of his promise. I know who you are. So if you're asking me to sacrifice my son, something is going to happen. You're either going to raise this boy from the dead, do a miracle in our midst, because I know what you said. So guess what? To the servants, we're both coming back. So he's able to worship a sacrifice, a sacrifice of worship. It's not about him. It's about God. But with understanding, this is I know who you are. So if I put this blade through my son, I know you're going to raise him from the dead because you are a God of your promise. Look at my wife. It works. Trust you. You are a God of your promise. So what am I saying? I'm saying it affects everything. Can I just show you this? Our understanding affects our faith. Our understanding of who God is affects our faith, which affects our worship, which affects our obedience, which affects our breakthrough and affects our praise. Like, like think about this. Joshua is getting ready to take the city of Jericho. It's a fortified city. He doesn't know how he's going to do it. And so he's in a posture of warfare. He's got his sword out. He's ready to fight. It's an impossibility, though. So what most scholars believe to be a pre-incarnate Christ shows up. The commander of the armies of God shows up. And Joshua's about to fight him, and then he realizes he's in the presence of God. And because of his understanding, what does he do? He falls to his knees, and he begins to worship. And then God gives him the strategy on how to take Jericho, which is going to be totally ridiculous. March around the city seven times, let out a shout, and the walls come tumbling down. And he does it. They experience breakthrough, and God gets the praise. What does worship do? Worship gives God what he deserves, and we get what we need. What about the blind man on the side of the road? Jesus is walking by. Tons of people who are sick and blind. But one guy cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they're like, be quiet, dude. Just settle down. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand who this is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What happens? This man gets healed. God gets glory. The woman with the alabaster jar, a year worth of wages, comes with expensive perfume, breaks it, 
at the feet of Jesus and begins to anoint his body. And the people in the room are like, we could have sold that for a lot of money. Why would she waste it on him? And Jesus is like, you don't understand. She's worshiping with the depth of understanding that transcends where you're at with me right now. Because if you only knew, are you guys tracking with me? And so can I just tell you, the better you understand him, the less you need to understand your circumstance. Proverbs 3, 5, you know, the famous passage, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord. Get understanding of him. Don't lean on your own understanding of your circumstances. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, his character, his attributes, who he is, and guess what he'll do? He will make your path straight. John the Baptist about to get his head cut off. So breakthrough does not mean that it works out all the time. John's breakthrough was he's about to get his head cut off, and he sent word. He said, Jesus, I just need to know that it's him. So we, he sends his guys out to say, ask him if, if he's the one, or, or should we expect somebody else? Jesus sent word back, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear. John's like, it is well with my soul. Let's get to it. That led to what? John's breakthrough in the midst of suffering. That resulted in his praise. I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to grow in our understanding because it will affect your faith, which will affect your worship which will affect your obedience and what you bow to, which will affect your breakthrough and will affect his praise. And when we worship God in spirit and truth, God gets what he deserves and we get what we need. So let's talk about who he is just for a moment in our time. I'm gonna invite the worship team up. Let's just talk about an attribute of God that he is eternal. Like when you come in and sing, I will make room for you. What if you, what if you sang that song through the eternal attribute of God, the eternal characteristic of who he is, that you are outside of time and space. Try to wrap your mind around forever and ever, eternity. There's a beach found in Brazil. It's the longest beach in the world, 157 miles long. Imagine one grain of sand is like our life compared to the rest of the beaches in the entire world times, in, times infinity. So our life is like one grain of sand and all the beaches in all the world times infinity. Kind of give you a picture of eternity. God is outside of time. He's outside of space. What was God doing 500 trillion years ago? God always was, always is, and will always be. He was not created. He is the creator. So much of what we know and understand about God, we, we limit him to just our limited knowledge of time and space. But he is the eternal one. And it feels like, God, you're so like far away and you're so distant, but then God is so close. Look what he says in John 17. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. He says, now this is eternal life. Like you want to know what life is like to have real life for all time. That they know you. It's the same word. Gnosto that they know you, that there's a personal, intimate understanding of who you are. You want life? He said, you want life eternal? You want to know him, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You want to know how intimate it is? 
It's the same word that Mary used when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, you're going to give, you're going to get pregnant, girl. And she said, how is that possible? I do not know a man. I have never been intimate with a man. That word no, same no she used. That's the depth of understanding that God is inviting us to. Yes, he is eternal, but he's very, very much present. It wants to be very, very much personal. When you think about the beautiful reality of that, you can't help but to sit back and be like, whoa. You are wonderful. The second thing is this. What about he is powerful? What if you said, man, I will make room for you. The one who was the most powerful of all, everybody. Matthew 28 says it this way. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Matthew has this theme of authority in his gospel. That Jesus has authority over sickness, and blind eyes open, the leprosy, demons flee. With just a simple command, he has the authority to both sin. Uh, he has authority over sin to both judge and forgive it. He has authority over suffering to give you rest when you're tormented in your soul. He has all-encompassing authority, all ultimate authority. I mean, over all creation, Jesus comes walking on the seas. The winds and the waves are blowing. The disciples feel like they're gonna get consumed by the water and Jesus comes walking on it. And they're like, oh my goodness, the very thing that should consume him, it's not, because he is the creator of all things. He walks upon creation ultimate authority, all-encompassing authority. He looks at heaven and he looks at earth and he says, it's all mine. It's all mine. Can I just tell you, that should change our posture of worship. Like if you're saying, I make room for you, the one who is omnipotent, all-powerful, should change the posture of our heart. We, we can't get our mind around eternity. We can't get our mind around creation. This is our Milky Way galaxy. Pretty crazy because we have a hard time comprehending the, the end of space. We don't even know where space ends. We're trying so hard. Elon Musk, we're getting to Mars. Bro, that's just the surface. We don't know where it ends. Our galaxy is made up of billions of stars. And, and our, our astronomers and researchers and all the smart people say that our galaxy is a subdivision amongst the hundreds of billions of subdivisions in the universe. Louis Giglio said, if you count the stars one per second in our galaxy, one, two, three, it would take you 2,500 years to count just the stars in our galaxy. Look, look, look what it says. Look what Isaiah says. He says, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all of these, who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You got to catch how powerful he is. The disciples, when they were in another storm, Jesus was sleeping on the boat in the Sea of Galilee, like just perfectly at, at rest. And they're freaking out. We're going to die. Wake up. We're going to die. He gets up, speaks to the wind, speaks to the waves, and look what they say. They say, and they marveled. They marveled. 
kind of man is this? And even the winds and the waves obey him. I heard one pastor was teaching on this passage in Sacramento. And he went right in to go into a sermon. He was teaching some refugees. Never heard the gospel. They, they said, no, no, go, go back. He said, well, what? He said, the wind and the waves obeyed him. Like we're just too smart sometimes in the sense of in the attempts to engage our mind we lose it we lose the wonder he is all powerful he's all knowing and can we just the list goes on right we could talk about his holiness his faithfulness we could talk about his omnipotence his omniscience his omnipresent god is all places at all times he's always present he's all knowing and the list goes on holy 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 is the lord god almighty and they sing this day and night because you cannot exhaust the king of the universe the creator of all things but can we just end on his goodness on his goodness and can i just say we'd be here all day talking about his goodness but but some of you, you know it really well. You've tasted and you've seen, but you've forgotten. And when you sing, I will make room for you, you forgot that he's good, that he's for you. I think one of the most beautiful pictures of God's goodness to us is he's given us his word so we can learn to grow in our understanding of him because our understanding will affect our faith. Our faith will affect our worship. Our worship will affect our obedience. Our obedience will affect our breakthrough and it will affect our praise. Some of us, we enter his courts with thanksgiving and that's where we stay. But we just don't wanna stay at the gates. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. We're not called to live at the gates. We're called to dwell in his courts. So I want to pray for you. And I want to just sing this chorus one last time. Am I out of time? Am I over time? Am I doing good on time? I can't see it. I can't see it. I think I'm good. I'm good. So let, can we just stand to our feet just for a moment? And can we just sing this, this chorus one more time? I'll make room for you. But I want, you to, I want you to worship through the light and through the lens of he's eternal. That he's all powerful. And that he's good. And I want to encourage you. Everything that we do here at Fountain is to help you grow in your understanding. We want to help you see love and follow him. We're not trying to get you a part of a program. We're trying to get you on mission. Like, man, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to build you. But we have access to not an iPad Pro, but we have access to the very active and living Word of God. Don't settle for the ball game. Now don't do that. Don't bow down to... This thing and that thing. That, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Just build your understanding of him. I promise this. When you grow in your understanding of him, it will affect your faith. And it will change the way you worship. 
It'll change your song. But this is what I heard recently. I asked, a, I asked Pastor David Sell, actually. I said, I always want to preach from a place of revelation. I never want to preach, just get up and like, you know, here it is. I, I want it to be, I just want it to be like food, sustenance every single time. That's how much I love you and care about you and want to see God's will for your life. And he said, Matt, he said, if you want to live there, you're going to have to get used to dying. Because the resurrection, what precedes it is death. So you're going to have to die a lot. And it's in the place of death, when you die to yourself, that you're going to find the greatest revelations and understanding of who he is. So I pray that scary prayer, Lord, I just want to live a life that's dead, that I might live in you. As Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because I know that what you have is more precious than anything else, that you are the prize in my life. And I want fresh manna, as Pastor Lawrence said, from heaven. Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love him deeply, and follow him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.